0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. It's been a long time, but I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Nationwide Nolan as we have some big Georgetown news today. Georgetown picked up the first of perhaps multiple transfers. They picked up Trey King, a six foot nine big from Eastern Kentucky. He is a two time Ohio Valley Conference selection. Last year, King averaged About 15 points and six rebounds. He's listed as a forward, although Ken Palm, my favorite site, has him as only playing center. And I'm not going to lie, I don't know how Eastern Kentucky play. I don't know how the Colonels do their business. But it sounds like he might give Georgetown a little bit of a different option at center. And before I get to you nationwide, Nolan, it looks like by my count, and I know this always figures itself out, and we don't know how Donald Carey is going to count, it looks like Georgetown is at 14 scholarships. It also does not look like they are done recruiting, whether it's incoming freshmen or possible transfers, grad transfers, all that stuff. So with all that being said, did it feel good today? Yeah,
1: I think this one kind of hit all the spots you were looking for in a front court player. Uh, like you said, almost exclusively played center at Eastern Kentucky. And I would think he has enough versatility that you can play him as the power forward. I, I kind of am of the favor that I'd like to see him almost just exclusively be a center in Georgetown too. Me too. Um, whether or not he could hold up in the Big East, you know, as as a primary rim protector and rebounder remains to be seen. But I think he he probably lacks a little bit of the skill that 2DA had um, on the perimeter where, I just think, and I don't think he's quite as agile as he was. So I think that's the easiest comparison to make. And he does match up with what he gave you, uh, Chudier that is. But I do think he's more of a center. And, you know, you lose Wahab and then you fill him in with him. It it makes me think maybe the staff views him that way too, that, hey, we can be a little bit more mobile and go this route uh, with some of the center minutes this, this coming year.
0: I know this was obviously not a very big secret. This has kind of been pointing this way for a little bit now. It looks like to some levels, Xavier, Virginia Tech, and Marquette were involved. So that just from that, you kind of feel that's who you kind of want to be shopping with, if that makes any sense. And then I saw you tweet earlier in the day, and I think I responded. And just looking at, he gives you a mid-range game, which you didn't have at all last year from the five spot. And he made, so he's not a big three-point shooter but he obviously Mm -hmm. made a big effort last year. So in his first two years, he was a combined seven for 40. And last year he went 19 for 56, which is a 34% shooter from out there. And I know it's not just offense. We always talk about the defense, but I think just in looking at it immediately from the offense, you're getting back. I'm not saying he's Jesse or Omir, but you are getting back to having some of a threat, whether it's mid-range game. And, you know, if he keeps improving his three, you've got a decent three-point option. It, it Just
1: watching him a little bit, it's interesting, you know, their offensive system, I, I'm not going to say it's similar, but they just ran a lot of high ball screens. And okay. he kind of navigated those pretty well, knowing when to step out and pop, when to roll. So he does give you a little bit more versatility. The one thing I found interesting, just looking at post-ups, there were only, I think, 29 players in the country with over 150 post-up possessions. Wahab well, obviously was one of them, but yeah. another one actually was Trey King. So they dumped the ball into him quite a bit. I don't think that's something you'd see at the Big East level. I mean, Ohio Valley, you can do that with a six-nine kid as a primary option. But overall, I am excited. The connection there to Eastern Kentucky, he was at Hargrave. He was the team captain. A.W. Hamilton, the EKU coach, obviously connection to Hargrave there. So yeah. they, if you go back and look at his offers, I think there was St. Bonaventure, Murray State, Louisiana Tech. So he might have had a chance to go do a little bit better, just uh, perception-wise, out of high school. But he went to EKU and started 18 games as a freshman. Then as a junior this past year, ends up being first-team OVC, which is not a bad league. So I, I do think this is a kid who can come in and fill a role right away.
0: So on Ken Palm, it looks like his percentage of possessions is 25, which kind of, if you look at Georgetown's page, you know, Wahab was at 21, Belay was at 23. That's, I would think, obviously going to go down. Now, as we know, Georgetown is such an unknown, you know, right now, the player with the most games career for Georgetown on next year's team is Ego F.A., Okay, mm-hmm. he doesn't have the most minutes. Obviously, that would be Carrie. and I think I I got to imagine Harris has more career minutes with him than uh, Tim does. But you know his usage will probably go down. I did like, and a couple people I guess weren't really impressed, and I wasn't really trying to make a big point. But I tweeted out that you know last year from the five spot, Georgetown got five assists compared to sixty eight yeah. turnovers, and I'm not saying that King is the next coming of Greg Monroe, but he had a what you would kind of just hope for, like a, basically a manageable number. It was something like 27 mm-hmm. to 56, which every pass out of the post doesn't mean to, you know, hitting a, a wide open shooter. But there was times where and I'm not I'm not picking on Wahab because I think we all would have liked for him to come back. So this is not piling on the kid. But yeah, it was a pretty tough number of five to 51. No, I, I Bobby isn't the thing.
1: Basically, you just want somebody who can pass. Yeah, doesn't yeah. have to end in an assist. But if he can make quick decisions, get the ball moving, a hockey assist is just as good as a regular assist. So I think that's the thing you're looking for where the ball, when Q would get it and he would command a double team, he just wasn't quite sure of himself mm-hmm. and that ball would stick. And I'm not even sure if Tim recorded an assist all season.
0: He didn't. Um, he was, oh, he yeah. Had, he has zero and 13 turnovers.
1: Okay. So if you get somebody, you know, coming off those screen and rolls as a roll man that, he catches it, he can hit a teammate and, and just get the ball popping a little bit. I think that could be a, a nice added element. And with some of the guys you're bringing in with Riley and Muhammad, um slashers who need space to operate, I think this kind of, when at least when he plays center, it can help unclog the offense a little bit just as far as spacing.
0: I tweeted immediately that you know, he's listed as a forward. I think he's a center. And I just watched a little bit as well. But just... I think it's hard in twenty one twenty two which is what our next season's going to be is to have basically two bigs on the court for extended periods of time without either of them having the ability to stretch the four offensively again, I know I'm only talking offense, I'm not talking about defense, and maybe the you know a combination of him and Tim on defense might be pretty formidable or him or him and Matumbo. but I think it would be hard because you know basically pickett and Belay, if they're playing the four you've you know, you've you've got four options on the court. That, that can shoot. So I'm definitely going to be over here rooting until I see how it pans out. And maybe, fingers crossed, we'll get some Kenner League so it's not just all guesses in um, the middle of November. But is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Or, Yeah, I, I would rather see
1: King. I mean, I guess the thing now is the hole on the roster is that stretch four spot. Who can play? Because I'm with you. I'd rather see King at center. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, in an ideal world, Matumbo would come in and he'd be ready to play 20 minutes. I'm just not sure that's the case. Yeah. And I, I either Tim or Malcolm would just need to have a massive summer of development to step into a bigger role. So to me, I think you're looking at that power forward spot now. It, you know, <laughs> there are parts of the Hoya Twitterverse who are pretty insistent that they have a real shot with Patrick Baldwin. I don't know, but I don't just,
0: just... live in that world.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, but no, I have one
0: <laughs> I think I think I it's have... worth discussing because people are people yeah. are into that.
1: I I might have one toe in the water. It just the longer it drags on, I mean, what's going on? Why isn't he just said, Hey, I'm I'm staying to play with dad? So who knows? But that I mean it's easy to say like a top five recruit has a physical profile to step into that role, but I mean, a fifth year Jamarco would have been the perfect guy. Um, you just need somebody who can play that power forward spot next to King who can help him out, rebounding, protecting the rim. Um, the same thing with Malcolm and Tim, I, I think, would apply to Jamari Sibley where he would just need a, a huge off-season to, to fill that role. So we'll see what else shakes free, but, but I am of the thought that King probably – Maybe it's only 50% of the center minutes, but he's, I think, your best option right now.
0: Yeah, and then without getting into, I don't think there's a need to speculating if anybody might leave still on Georgetown. I think we can talk about, with some certainty, that by now, if Pickett or Bele or Blair were going to stick around, I think we would have heard something. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way on that one. And then the other thing would be, it does seem like Georgetown's pretty active, which you obviously want them to be, even if they're just proactively going after and checking up on kids and all that stuff. But it does seem to be like they're pretty active. So I'd be surprised if this is the last edition. Yeah,
1: I would agree. It's You know, now, like the Fordham kid, Soriano, is there really a need for another big? I would think not.
0: Um, No, no
1: guard position i was all for jackson from toledo i thought he would have been a really nice fit really an impact guy too i am kind of torn on the guard spot for me there's a baseline where i would want a grad transfer over just giving those minutes to tyler beard tj berger and jordan riley but it it does seem like they're they're active for another guard
0: I think it's got to be the right guy because just it seems like so long ago because of all the roster upheaval and, you know, you throw in COVID where the world didn't even seem, I guess it still doesn't seem totally back to normal. You know, Allen came in, it wasn't playing a lot. And he had just Mm -hmm. played on a team that almost made the sweet 16. So he, they obviously got him and he was cool with the role. Right. And I think that's where, when I was looking at Chris likes and it was like, well, if there's this local kid that wants to come and I think we were of the same mind. If, if that opens doors going further for takeover or whatever, like, okay, bring him on. But it didn't seem like that's the kind of player that was going to go well with, okay, Dante Harris just was the biggest most outstanding player and we got some freshman guards. So I think there is that space, but I think it's, I, th- I think it's hard to ask a kid to do that. And I think the difference with Alan, he was coming home. And also that was shaping up to be a team that I'm sure he thought Georgetown was going to make the tournament, you know, with the mm-hmm. roster that they had on day one. So when when you add all those things together, it seems like it would be hard to get a guard, right? Yeah, and to your point
1: about just being local, maybe it is that kid from uh, the North Carolina Central Kaiser okay. the start off at of Wichita. So I okay. believe he's a Baltimore area kid. So
0: yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: He's just looking to finish up his career close to home. Um, I think he's already 24. So you're talking about similar to Terrell, just a mature kid who, if he's open to Georgetown, you know, he obviously he takes a look at the roster and see what sees what's there with Muhammad and Riley and Dante being around in the backcourt. So he just looks at, okay, it's a high major program that I, he started up at Wichita. So he gets back to that level, um, says, I'm just going to go home play a role and and that be it so maybe you find something like that but it is tricky they were their name was thrown out with that little point guard from Seattle but yeah then you're getting a kid to come across country you already I assume they have their point guard position solidified with Dante and it's just how does that fit similar well, to the likes
0: thing it's, it's tricky you're right and now I'm going to talk out of the other side of my, my mouth after I suggested why it would be difficult to bring in a kid, you might only have one year with Muhammad, right? Yeah. And if you're Georgetown, if you're Ewing, you want to show the big recruits, the five stars. You want to be in the business of getting more guys. I don't know if Muhammad's going to be a one and done. I mean, shoot, everyone transfers nowadays. I'm not saying he's going to transfer either, but you almost have to look at it, I think, like you're going to have one year of Muhammad. I think anything more than one year of Muhammad, I don't know if you agree, would probably be a bonus. So from that standpoint, you kind of want to go all out when you have a talent like that right yeah it's
1: and unfortunately i mean those decisions they make or break programs when you get that top 15 top 20 kid who says yeah i'll stay for my sophomore my junior year that's a lot of times when you break through i mean it's so yeah but you can't count on that i mean it's just impossible to predict and you do have to assume I mean, it's almost not even for a top 15 kid right now. It's You're almost just operating on a year-to-year basis with anybody on your roster. It's just <laughs> you have to turn this over year by year, and you have to try to stay competitive. There's no – I mean, it's when Ewing was hired, I was all about, hey, recruit high school kids, build this up from the ground floor, and this year especially, that's all just gone out the window. If you're not active in the transfer portal, you're just going to get chewed up. I mean, we lost our starting center for really no apparent reason other than that option was available. So you just don't know. You have to maximize your roster each year.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on Wahab. And I think, you know, we talked about Wahab a little bit on his way out the door. So, yeah, let's talk about just the other miscellaneous transfer stuff. So, you know, Georgetown hasn't made official Trey Mm -hmm. King because they'll do that once all of the – everything is legitimate, all the, you know, T's have been – crossed and eyes have been dotted and all that stuff but so well, Hobbs news have been out there for weeks but maryland did make it official today i think i messaged you early on that this was probably happening that's the way it was looking to me a lot of people were telling me that and i investigated and it looked like that but even though georgetown and maryland don't play each other and you know they've played each other maybe like five times in the last 30 years or maybe even less than that other than syracuse is there a spot that would have hurt more than that oh and by, by the way nolan i want to let you know the last time we did a pod, I was complaining that I didn't even have my Big East championship hat yet. I am wearing it right now <laughs> as I talk about Kudis, who a couple of weeks ago, I guess it's been a month now, had the same hat on. But going back to my point, it seems like Maryland, Syracuse, I mean, there are some there are some transfers within the conference happening. Not in the Big East, but I've seen it uh, elsewhere. But it hurts, right,
1: Maryland? Yeah, for sure. its uh,
0: I mean, is it,
1: there are, like a kid... As good as Q is, I mean, he wasn't a world beater this year, but you can see the progression. Yeah. Um, if he's transferred, I mean, I don't like saying this because I love Georgetown, but you can transfer up from Georgetown in the year 2021. It's
0: certainly, yeah, it's tough. Hopefully that'll, I mean, that'll change, but currently, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Kentucky last year took the SAR kid from Wake Forest who just wasn't any good, really. Whereas, you know, Wahab, he could have made that type of jump to that type that level of program and I don't view Maryland at that level it's I mean it just felt like I know they've had more recent success than us but to me it just feels like a lateral move and you know did they sell him on him being Jalen Smith I mean their skill set's not even close so then when you look at the other bigs they've I guess you have to give them credit for Bruno Fernando, but then you're talking about the Mitchell twins and Joel Muriel that they had this year. It's just, I, I just don't get it. But yeah, outside of Syracuse, I I don't think there's one that really
0: would have stung quite like that. Yeah. Well, it happened. I couldn't help but laugh. I'd been telling a lot of people in real life offline, however you want to describe it, that I was just waiting for that news from Lubbock and I'm not going to lie the The way that it came out was so funny because it's, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but something, the effect of, Oh, I love Lubbock special place. You know, it's great. I got to get ready for the draft. Oh, by the way, I'm transferring too. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it I was, it was incredible, thought. right?
1: Yeah. That statement was something else. It was, I love you guys. Uh, entering the draft, by the way, <laughs> I'm going to transfer again. It was, yeah. I don't know. For me, I just look at Mac and I'm like, you could have started like a YouTube channel series playing overseas a year ago and made a very nice living. I I don't know why. I mean, obviously his sites are on the NBA, which is, it's just not going to happen. Um, you would have thought he'd find a different endeavor as far as just capitalizing on, on his name. Um, he could easily do it somewhere. Um, I'm not even sure it has to be overseas. I don't know, a G League sort of deal. He he could capitalize off his name, and he, he just seems to want to keep playing in college, which is a little bizarre to me.
0: You know, nothing's apples to apples, but it would have been more, a little bit more interesting if Beard had stayed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. do we think he still would have transferred? Do you think he would just done the NBA testing waters, which I don't know what he's testing. It's not to say he's not a good college player, but you wonder if he would also done the transfer portal thing, but now that his coach left, so you can't really compare it to Georgetown. But when you look at what him and, you know, Akinjo's also testing the waters, Miller's has, you know, been relieved of his duties since Akinjo decided to test the waters. Maybe he'll transfer portal as well. Who knows? So, you know, the longer you get it, it's like when you have one of those drafts and you get you, you grade it in real time, but you don't really know what the grade is until you see what everyone does. So when you look back at what happened at Georgetown and all the, those kids that left, and you look at Ewing and then when you kind of look at what's happening with Wahab and there's maybe some reasons everyone knows about that, maybe why, you know, Kudis might've, might've made his decision. It it seems like it's getting harder to pin the transfer issue on Patrick for the people that want to do that.
1: Yeah, I I don't. And even then, if you look at LeBlanc, he was not much at all at LSU this year. I mean, they they didn't really trust him to be out there. I mean, they were a top-heavy team. They have tons of talent, so maybe he has a bigger role next year, but he didn't do much either. Um, I don't know. Does Beard take him to Texas with him if he still wants to play college? I don't know. It seemed like at times Beard kind of figured out his limitations. Um, It's just tough to construct a team around McClung or Akinjo. They're just so ball-dominant. that You know, it's... It's kind of funny in hindsight to think Ewing was going to make that work with the two of them, which I guess you could argue he kind of did. I mean, you go 9-9 yeah. nine to nine in the Big East their freshman season, that was probably an accomplishment given the how much, you know, I don't want to say they clashed on the court, but it, it certainly wasn't easy to get those two to conform.
0: Yeah, I, I watched a bunch of Texas Tech. They were on a lot. I mean, you could make the case for McClung – you know, for Kinjo, it's just harder to watch Pac-12 games. But for McClung, he kind of had a very similar season, but he did it on a team that was ranked all season, and they were on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So there is, I think there is value in that. Maybe I'm just showing my age, but, you know, George Sean's not. It's not like George Sean isn't on TV, but as we saw during the Big East tournament run, being featured on ESPN kind of is a game changer still. So, yeah. you know, what, what, what McClung did, you know, you could say, oh, you know, it made sense, but did it really change for him? think the answer to that is no so i would expect you know maybe you should send his people a message about that whole youtube experience on in uh, europe that might be a better avenue for him i feel like we're going to see him at duke or somewhere i just i i i see him going total heel and um
1: (laughs) i I mean he was so determined i have to show everybody i'm going to be a point guard and yeah i mean I don't know that Texas Tech set is just still odd. They play slow. It's the focus is defense, which obviously maybe to his credit he knew he had to become a better defender, um, which I don't think really happened. But maybe that was his focus. But you would think if he's coming back to school, he would seek out a place that's just going to give him the ball and let him take twenty-five shots a game.
0: Yeah, and that might not even be uh, that might not be the Blue Devils. It was annoying to me even though I really have no skin in the game, that Gonzaga was being talked about as one of the best teams of all time. Mm-hmm. And I guess it depends who you follow on Twitter. And if you're on TweetDeck like I am and what you sort of have as your searches, I mean, I was, you know, seeing people argue about how they would have beaten Vegas from 90 and, you know, no. I, I really dis- strongly disagree with that. And I think Gonzaga was a really good team and there's nothing wrong with being a really good college team within your particular year. I do think, and I know people kill you for saying it, that it is a little bit different when you basically have, you know, 18 to 20 conference games where it's unlikely you're gonna lose. And I'm not saying that 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 diminishes a title. If they would have won the title, I still would have said the same thing because there's just not enough chances to stub your toe, which is kind of what happens to all the really good teams every year. Usually you come up with a couple losses, three, four, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that being said, I don't know what your thoughts were on the national championship game. I was glad that Baylor won. I'm with you.
1: The thing everybody loves to point out is Gonzaga's at a conference record over the years, but just competitively for Gonzaga, when you have four or five of those standalone games each year where you are going to get 100%, you're going to get yeah. max effort, you're going to win your fair share of those, where the other teams, who is it this year, Iowa, Virginia, Kansas... For them, it's just another game. They have to go through a gauntlet in their conference where Gonzaga knows they need to capitalize on those games. So I, the more telling number um, or stat that you look at is their record against, what was it, one through three seeds. I think Gonzaga now is one in 12 against teams seeded that high. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, to me, I, I just didn't see an all-time great team. Even I mean, Suggs is going to be the top three or four pick, but is Timmy going to be anything as a pro? I don't think so. I think he's a real good college player. Kisper. Yeah, Kispert. People stub him as a lottery pick. I just I'm kind of just befuddled at that idea. I, I just don't get it. Um, but I thought Baylor was. I mean, you could see it right from the start. That was. I mean, they have pro guards, and they just took it right at them. I thought Mitchell was the best player in the tournament pretty much all along
0: well and you know we saw we saw you know two days before we saw ucla team you know a power team with power kids mm-hmm. on their roster okay they were a pretty good pac 12 team they were 13 and 6 you know they ended up being an 11th seed they in the play-in game and if you if you play a bunch of those teams and it's not just playing those teams like you mentioned they played uva iowa when you settle into your conference where, you know, the teams generally, you've got your outliers on the top and the bottom, but generally, you know, you kind of play within a certain way. And, you know, Georgetown, when they were, you know, back 10 years ago, when things were going really well, you know, it's like, Oh, we struggle against West Virginia and Cincinnati. And, you know, now it's been Xavier. So like within your group of, you know, like your power leagues, even if the team isn't as good as you, there's those certain matchups and they see you every year which makes it different as well because then they've got tendencies. And when you've got skill players that even if they're not, you know, ranked as high as your guys, they're much more comparable to the WCC. Mm -hmm. So I just think that everyone gets caught up that they want to what's happening right now to be the best thing because then it's, because then it's like, well, I was part of it. So that was kind of my take on the tournament. I I really felt in love with that, with that UCLA team. They were, they were fun to watch. Yeah,
1: they were fun. But yeah, just to go. I mean, Seth Greenberg. I remember maybe it was the Monday, the leading into the game. They were talking about the all-time great teams, and like I saw 1984 Georgetown flash up on the screen, and it's like, what? What are we doing? Like, do you really want to see Patrick Ewing go against Drew Timmy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's. It, I mean, you need to draw a line in the sand, like post, pre and post one and done era. Anyway, but it's
0: just yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You know, I feel bad for the Gonzaga fans that care as much as I might care about other stuff. But just from where I'm sitting, it was nice to see that. Because if they got undefeated, then it was going to be something you heard about for freaking ever. And I was just, I I wasn't really ready for that. No, me neither. Last thing, right before we got together tonight, we saw the news that we all expected, which is Villanova is going to be ready (laughs) next year. I guess I have to say I do feel good for Colin Gillespie because to go out on an injury, and obviously I haven't been paying attention to the NBA draft. He's not, I assume, projected to be a first-rounder, because if he was, he should absolutely leave. But you always want to see competitors, you know, leave it out on the court. So he gets another year, and then Jermaine uh, Samuels as well is going to come back. That's a bit of a problem, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean, they're a clear preseason favorite in the conference at least. Which I, I think is good for the conference. I mean, yeah, yeah. Georgetown has seen him twice, but I mean, I, I still think Georgetown at home next year, do you have a shot to knock him off? Sure. Yeah. I, I don't think it changes much for Georgetown, but for the Big East to have one of the four or five best teams in the country, that's that's only a good thing. But it's good for him. I mean, we expected it. We had talked about it on here before. He was going to maximize what he could at Villanova. I don't know. Can he? I, I said to you, can he really be the best player on a championship team? national championship team and i guess maybe you could argue justin moore and samuel surrounding them just that trio might be good enough but i don't know if it moves the needle that much where they're three season number one in the country but they'll certainly they, be in the mix
0: they lost their best player yeah right for sure yeah, they
1: have a hole inside for sure
0: and not to turn into the villanova pod because nobody wants to hear that it, um can't take corner but they put up a pretty, I mean, they put up a better fight against, against Baylor than, uh, than uh, Gonzaga did.
1: Well, and I mean, obviously you'd rather have Gillespie out there, but I think you kind of saw it in their tournament run where you took him off the floor. I think they played Slater a lot more. They played Antoine. They just were bigger, more athletic. Yeah. And it kind of gave teams fits. Um, and you, you actually lose some of that. I mean, there's, a benefit to having the left speed, but some of what they showed in the tournament where they impressed for stretches, you you lose
0: now again. And I guess we can end it on a, on a high note here. Cole Swider transferred from Villanova to Syracuse, Mm. giving him the chance to be the first by my count, the first player ever that can lose to Georgetown as both a member of Villanova and Syracuse (laughs) If Georgetown gets them next year. Right? Yeah. It would. Uh,
1: that was actually a transfer move that I thought, okay, that actually makes sense for him. It does, I mean, yeah. He gets to just go sit in the 2-3 zone, and then all that same offense, they run for Bayheim and those – Buddy Beheim and those guys, he kind of fits into that. So that one actually made sense in, in a year where a lot of it doesn't
0: make sense. Do you have, like, one minute? Do you have, like, a quick fix for college basketball? Because I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously – We put a lot into this. You contribute to casual. You're on the podcast all the time. I cover the team. We do this podcast. If college basketball does just morph into this, I'm not sure how great that is. And I say that from someone that is definitely pro player. Okay. But Mm -hmm. if if it comes to this, where like every year you just, you don't know what you have with every team. And, you know, even teams that are having success are seeing guys just leave. You know, I'm not, I guess I'll say this. I don't know the way to fix it. I just know. And maybe someone that's younger, maybe someone that's 20, you know, is like, oh, this is great. I love it. But maybe someone like me that's 40 is like, "Uh, what am I supposed to hold on to here? Like, do you have any, any any sort of just, you know, it's obviously a very complicated um, topic and answer, but do you have anything that just sort of comes off the top of your head?
1: It's tough because I mean, the example people have thrown out lately, I think Chris Beard has taken what? five jobs in the last i don't know nine years yeah you look like people like that who just bounce around constantly it's like well why can't the kids do it and that's fair Um, but it is it's just a mess and i think part of that people lose sight of is chris beard or someone like that is constantly moving up the ladder and a lot of these kids I, i just don't think they know any better and a lot of times it doesn't turn out to be the right decision And the funny thing you've seen lately, I think in the Metro League, um, like Ryder, Canisius, they've had three or four kids now who transferred out of their programs and now spent a year or two elsewhere and are coming back to finish their career where they started. So that just goes to show for some of these kids, the grass has proven not to be greener. But as someone who's also for player empowerment and to give those kids the option, I, I just don't know what the solution is. I mean, do you make them sign scholarship papers that bind them to two years out of high school and say you have to commit for two years and then you get a one time transfer to no sit out? You can take that transfer.
0: Yeah, Is
1: there some medium that you can hit where it's kind of helps solve the problem? But it's tough. It's I think it is a problem. But at the same time, how can you be hypocritical and say you can't transfer? It's it's tough.
0: Yeah. I would say that I've always thought, even when I was just a young, silly kid, that if your coach left, I always thought you should be able to leave. Like that seems like mm-hmm. just a no-brainer. Yeah. Like your coach leaves, you get you get to leave, no questions asked. It's funny you bring up uh the uh the Canisiuses of the world. Uh there was a guard on Seton Hall, uh, to call Molson, who didn't play a whole ton. He was really good at um Canisius. He scored almost a thousand points. He sat out in 2019-20. And then he played mm-hmm. last year for Seton Hall. He played, you know, he, he, he was a reserve. He played 20 minutes. He, his scoring went way down. He went from scoring 17 a game to five. And now he's transferring to Harrisonburg, which is the only reason I know about this. He's going to mm-hmm. play for my guys at uh, JMU. But that's an example of someone that was, you know, he's a Mac. Now he's going, he was tried Big East. Now he's going CAA. You know, the problem is division one basketball has so many levels. Like, yeah. when you're at college football, you want to transfer from Notre Dame to, you know, JMU, for example. Like, you're still going to a strong FCS, but, mm-hmm. like, to, to transfer to Division two in basketball is a really big step down. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think also if you did it more like baseball, where mm-hmm. you said, look, you can go pro out of high school, which I guess you, can, yeah. you kind of can now. But if you come to college, you have to stay longer than a year, which I think baseball, it's three. um, Something more like that. But it does seem... Like I said, I I don't want to become old guy yells at cloud, but I need a little bit something more to hold on to. And how about the fact that we didn't even talk about probably because it's so crazy, but I did have some people message me. If Georgetown would be, would be kicking the tires on Mac (laughs) McClung. I think that is a (laughs) 0.0. Yeah. It's, I don't think,
1: (laughs) I mean, especially now it's, I'm not going to say I'd rather have Dante. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> if you told me I could only have Dante or Mac next year, it's, I, I'm, I'm not sure what my answer is. I think I'm, I'm just rolling with Dante now. He's, he's your guy.
0: Uh, yeah. I think Dante's going to be there for for four years. I, I mean, I, you know, yeah. two months ago I would have said the same thing about Kudis. So don't listen to me. Okay. <laughs> but you no, know what I, I mean? I like... think,
1: yeah. I think Dante is a special guy to have in your program to lead the way. And as much losing Wahab and everything that surrounds it, if your point guard position is secure in college basketball for the next three years, which I think we're in a fortunate position, then we're probably going to be okay.
0: Yeah, we probably are going to be okay. You know what's going to be okay is we are back on Kente Corner. So you can find Nolan at Nationwide. Nolan, he's tweeting about basketball. He's got the NBA stuff, obviously a big Georgetown part of it. Um, If you don't already subscribe, go ahead and find us on Apple, Spotify. I mean, gosh, it's almost all Apple I'm seeing, but we're pretty much everywhere. Um, You can rate, review, leave a message. Let me know what you you want us to talk about. We will be back. We're not going to take a three-week layoff, which I think it's been three weeks since we've had any sort of Kente Corner content, but stuff's coming back. And Nolan, I want to thank you so much for this was an impromptu Georgetown Made a Big Move podcast, which we, by the way, We both think is a really good move. Agree. Agree. All right. Well, I thank you a lot and I'm sure we will be talking soon. All right. Thanks, Bobby.